Okay, welcome to the stars of Loftus Road 100 event. Thanks firstly to our sponsors for this evening, Zoom Enterprises. Just a word on Zoom, established in 2004 by a big QPR fan who's here this evening as primarily an IT solutions organisation. They've quickly expanded and now operate in four diverse global market sectors. Zoom Technology, Zoom Construction Solutions, Zoom Inc and Zoom Leisure. Their aim is simple to provide their partners with first-class products and services at the best price and with operational excellence. For further details on Zoom Enterprises, visit zoomenterprises.com. Okay, our first ever game here at Loftus Road took place on the 8th of September 1917 against West Ham. We won't go into the detail of the scoreline, but it is 100 years this season. That's why we're here celebrating it. And we're delighted to be joined by four people who have helped create special memories for all of us in this room here at Loftus Road. They've made more than a thousand appearances for the club between the four of them. First up, this man made 190 appearances for the R's between 89 and 93, scoring 25 goals. He's now the club ambassador. Put your hands together for Andy Sinton. They didn't give you that reception when you came back with Sheffield Wednesday, did they? Okay, please welcome one of the greatest goalkeepers in our history. He joined us from Walsall in June 1970 for just £15,000. He made 406 appearances for us and a then world record goalkeeper transfer fee took him to West Ham for £565,000. Put your hands together for Phil Parks. Okay, next up, a cult figure in our run to the 1982 FA Cup final. He joined from Wolves in 1979, played 124 times for us, scoring nine goals during a four-year stay. Put your hands together for Bob Hazel. Okay, and last but no means least, a lifelong QPR fan. This man not only went on to play for and captain the club, he became a legend in the process. A prolific striker who scored 97 goals in 403 appearances during two spells from 94 to 2000 and 2001 to 2007, Kevin Gallen. Okay, thanks very much for joining us, all four of you. Um, and if upstairs is anything to go by, the four of them have just spent an hour in each other's company and it's just football stories for the entire hour up there. Okay, um, all four of you, of course, are members of the Forever R's, our ex-players association, and it's something you've been heavily involved in since its inception and helping it to, to grow. How pleased are you, not only with its progress, but also the response it's received from QPR fans? I'm absolutely uh, delighted, you know, with how it's gone. Uh, delighted the club, 
um, see the importance of it, you know, remembering the past, the guys, you know, these three guys alongside me tonight played their part in our history, you know, um, really pleased to see that in the last 18 months we've had 70 plus former players come back to the club, uh, some more than on, on one occasion, you know, and it, 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 it's great for them um, and it's great for me to be sort of driving it forward and, and see some of these legends back at Loftus Road. Okay, great stuff. Um, and Kev, as a fan yourself, it's nice to see the club re-engage with players of the past like this, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's always nice to see old players that I used to actually watch when I was um, a youngster and, um, you know, chatting with Bob and Phil upstairs about different managers and old chairmen. We had a good, uh, good giggle about the old days and of watching and... But it's always nice to, when we had um, the game against Ipswich at the start of the season, you know, see former players that, that I played with that I haven't really spoke to, likes of, you know, Danny Maddox and Paul Parker and players like that. It's always great to sort of catch up and just sort of reminisce about old times and good times. And, you know, yeah, it's, this is a really good idea. And it's always interesting every time I come on a Saturday or midweek who, who's, who's, who's going to be on the pitch and... A couple of weeks ago, I bumped into uh, Marcus Bignett, who I hadn't seen for a while, and Marcus Bean was there as well. So it was always good to catch up. I, I really enjoy it. And I think it's fair to say, it's been said before, that in recent years, perhaps the, the club lost its identity a little bit. And something like the Forever Rs, it helps QPR go back to its roots by, by bringing back the, the former players and re-engaging with them as much as anything else. Well, I, th I just think, you know, you see other clubs around the country doing similar things and... I think it's been a great idea and Andy's, like he said, he's driven it forward and, you know, it's great to see the old players and, and it's great, I think, for the fans to see the old players who, who've represented the club and done good things for the club and, and they can show their appreciation for those players. So I, I think it's a really good idea and, I don't know, are we running out of players, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> Saying that, we've had a big turnover the last few years, so I think we'll be going for a few years. Yeah, we'll, we'll be all right. And um, Phil, in terms of Loftus Road, when you do come back and look around, has it changed all that much? Oh, yeah, tremendously. Um, when I first came here, obviously the changing rooms and everything were over in Ellerslie Roadside there. So, and we used to come out in the far corner and the opposition used to come out on the halfway line. And uh, obviously, while I was still here, then this was built. Jim built this. You know, we never asked where he got the money from to build it, but <laughs> you know, I'm, sure it was, I'm sure he had it all accounted for. But, but um, you know, you've got to give him credit because he wanted, he had visions for this club. And when he took it over, and he, he, he really built it up. And uh, it's changed with, without a doubt. Um, it's still one of the most compact grounds in uh, in the country and i think that's a big thing it's a big plus for when the opposition come because they are so close to the opposition that teams that play in bigger grounds don't like it because all the comments can make you know the, the fans make against them and obviously there can be a few nasty ones you know they can hear everything they can't get away from it and so it, it intimidates a lot of uh, a lot of players so it's, it's almost like having another man out there sometimes so. And firstly, just to get your, your earliest memories of Loftus Road. Bob, if I start with you, what's your earliest memory of this stadium? Um, well, my first memory was actually playing against QPR. Let's just check that side. Hello? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, my first memory was actually playing for the Wolves against QPR. And, um, <laughs> and the funny thing is, uh, I just had a falling out with Rashid Arkouk, and that's the thing that really sticks out in my mind. And, um, and the other thing that stuck out in my mind was I just, even though I, I, was, still, I was playing at Wolves, I was just a great fan of Stan Bowles. I just always loved Stan Bowles. So, you know, when I when I came here, you know, I did well not to not to go and hog him, you know, and <laughs> because uh, he was. I just loved the way he played football. So, uh, um, and I, I, I've never actually, I never even, I never told him at any time, but I just actually loved being on the pitch with that man. It was terrific. What and made him? What? Ma What was it that made him so special in your eyes? Oh, it was, it was just his control, his, the, the way he manipulated the ball. And, I mean, you know, you hear the cliches, but I just think that that man, he could, he could actually beat somebody in, in a corridor. Because <laughs> he, he, he didn't have much in the way of speed. But, um, but he just had great feet and... Uh, and my other memory of it was Gary Wadder because he was shit scared of Gary Wadder. <laughs> and, and, and I remember Gary coming in as a youngster, you know, and, uh, and, and if anybody ever knows, he's the meekest fella off the pitch you could ever imagine. You put a shirt and a pair of boots on that lad and he was just an absolute animal, whether that was on a game or in training, you know. And um, <laughs> he used to laugh because... You know, this young lad now has actually just joined the first team and, you know, he, he wants to impress and things like that. So, and every time he's going anywhere near Stan, he's getting in there. You know, Stan going, steady, steady. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh, well, uh, those, those are the memories that, you know, stick with me and love them to death. Great stuff. And since, if I can come to you, your, your earliest memory at Loftus Road, had you played here before joining? No, my earliest memory, I remember coming to watch a game uh, when I was playing for Cambridge United for some unknown reason. The manager, John Ryan, packed everyone on a train and we came down and watched the game. I think it was how good QPR were at the time or something. So, uh, and I remember training with, uh, coming here with Brentford when the, the weather was poor and we trained on the, the artificial pitch, which was... Uh, horrendous, by the way. I remember but, uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, I remember training here with Brentford and looking around the stadium. I thought, you know what, this is a fantastic stadium. I'd love to play here one day. Um, you know, it just seemed so compact. I could imagine it being packed, uh, you know, with the, with the guys supporting their team. So, um, so even though I haven't played here before I came to the club, it still uh, left a lasting sort of imprint on me, if you like. And did it live up to expectation when you did come to become to be a QPR player? Oh, more so. Um, you know, my debut, uh, my home debut against Aston Villa. I'm not sure how many was there, but, you know, when, you, when you're stepping up two divisions and you just want to make uh, an impression on your fans, because uh, they are the club. You know, the fans, they, managers come and go, players come and go, owners come and go, fans stay with the side through thick and thin. So you just want to lay down a mark and say, you know what, because I'm sure no one really had heard a great deal of me. So to play that day, to score... Uh, to take a bit of adulation was uh, which which was fantastic. You know, to score at the loft end, 
still remember as if it was yesterday, you know, and tell you exactly where I ran to. I think I hugged the fan if you're in the room tonight, thanks. <laughs> but uh, now it's just a wonderful, for me, it's just a wonderful place to play. And Phil, what are your earliest memories of the stadium? And before you say it, I wasn't here 100 years ago. Bob asked me if I played in the first game <laughs> at Loftus Road. Uh, just a little bit after that. But um, my first memory was I was actually played in the reserves. Uh, I came in 1970 um, from Walsall. And uh, it was Les Allen who signed me. And the first team were playing away at Birmingham. And they had a goalkeeper, Mickey Kelly at the time, and Alan Spratley. Uh, and then me, I was the third choice keeper, but what happened was Mickey Kelly had trans got transferred to Birmingham just before the season, the, the week before the season started. So Alan Spratley played, uh, Spratley played in the first team up at Birmingham. They got beat 2-0, and I was playing here against Swansea in the uh, combination side. We got beat 3-0, but I played really, really well. I had a good game. It was one of those we just got battered, so I had plenty to do. Um, and so, <laughs> nothing's changed much, has it really, eh, if you remember? <laughs> so, um, so we, uh, Les Allen pulled me into the office on a, on a Tuesday and said, uh, I'm going to play you in the first team Saturday. And I sort of went, you what? They said, uh, yeah, he said, I had some good reports about it. He said, so I'm going to put you in the first team on Saturday. And we were playing Leicester City. And at the other end of the pitch was a guy I'd already played a few times against in my schoolboy days was Shilton. So Peter Shilton. So that was basically the first professional crossing of us two for, and, and it, it carried on all through my career. But that was the first memory of Loftus Road. We lost 2-1, unfortunately, in that game, but uh, we did well. We played well. Uh, and again, I played well. And so basically, <laughs> that's the main thing. <laughs> Again, I had a lot to do, so Last time we're I was thinking, yeah, I mean, I look at goalkeepers today, and they, they I mean, I could still go out there now, I think some of the, some of the stuff that they have to deal with, they hardly touch a ball, uh, you know, and you're, you're playing at home, and sometimes you win at home 3-0 in the old days, and you're diving, diving about like a blue-eyes fly all over the place, you know, you really do, it was much more open games then. Uh, and you know, and this this happened in this game, and it was like, whoa, what have I come into? But I loved it really, uh, and that was me for the next nine years. I never, I never, I never left, if you like. I never left out the first team for the next nine years, which is nice. But that my first memory was obviously of of Loftus Road. But there was only about two hundred people in the ground, so it wasn't really the, the the lasting memory that the following week was when it was a full house. I think that's how many fans were in the stadium when we got the late equaliser against Brentford, but we'll, we'll move on from there. Um, Kev, your earliest memory at Loftus Road, I would imagine it goes way back bef before your playing days. We were just talking about upstairs. I think I probably came about 1979. I was four years old. Can't really remember much, but the season really, the, the FA Cup final season, but the next year when uh, Bob and the lads got promoted in 1982-83 was sort of where I remember a lot and coming every week, home game, doing the usual. I think uh, my two brothers would, would be in the paddock or the loft and I would be uh, upstairs, well on this side, uh, at Ellerslie Road. And I think every kid around that age got sneaked in. <laughs> uh, we used to, I, think, I think everyone, I think every dad had a deal with the man on the turnstile. It's like... <laughs> 
<laughs> That's why every time it was the place used to be packed, and then, uh, and then they announced the crowd, and there's only 9,000 here. We like, What's going on? Well, that only 9,000 people paid. <laughs> That's why we had to sell Phil. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there was a. Uh, that bloke on the turnstile made a right few quid, but yeah. So uh, that, that that season was um, the promotion season was a great season, and Bob will probably talk about it a bit later. But yeah, those are my earliest memories. And then you don't want to ask me about that. I'll never stop, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then sort of playing wise was yeah. When I was a schoolboy at MT, like we used to have schoolboy matches, and then but obviously when I made my debut, 1994 against Sheffield Wednesday was my first proper game for QPR and it was a great we had a really good team and we beat Sheffield Wednesday and I managed to score the winning goal so it was just an ideal dream debut for me really it was a um, magnificent night yeah how did uh, the when you, you go out for, for your debut and, and it's obviously a, a big game important and from your, your point of view huge and the fact that you've got that association with Loftus Road, did that make it easier for you or did it put the pressure on a bit? Well, no, the pressure's on and uh, Andy said that before, you know, when you make your debut somewhere, you, you, your first thing is you don't want to have a stinker. <laughs> That's the first, first thing and you want to get on the ball as quickly as possible and, and make a good pass and take a bit of pressure and get into the game. So I had loads of friends and family in the crowd and you just want to do well, one, for yourself, but you don't want to let a load of people down. Mm. So it's a, it's a pressure situation and, uh, you know, it worked out well in the end. I mean, that three or four days before I made my debut at Man United, so it sort of took a little bit of the pressure off. So and I played pretty well that game. So you sort of want to, when you're a kid, you want to think, can I, can I survive at this level? Mm. You know, I've done it at youth team. I played reserve. It's okay. But this, it's a massive step up fitness-wise, you know, skill-wise, speed-wise. It's from reserves or you I didn't really play much reserves but reserve, youth team a little bit in reserves to first team and make my debut at Man United who were the champions who had the top players and I played pretty good it's like it's a bit of a confidence builder and you come into the home game thinking well I can, if I can do it at Man United mm. I can do it here against Sheffield Wednesday but there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of pressure on kids when they come through and you know it's a bit of a sink or swim situation so that's why you've got to be careful where you put kids in when you're winning, really, and mm. you know, give them a 10, 20, 30 minutes. It's, it's tough if you come in and it's, the team are struggling. So really, really, really good memories for me, that uh, Sheffield Wednesday game. And, uh, you know, uh, I've been coming ever since and playing, so it's second home, really. Did you, uh, as a player, and obviously you went on to, to play so many games for QPR at Loftus Road, did you always almost appreciate that you were living the dream? Yeah, I mean, I sort of, when I left for a year, and when I come back the second time, I was like, Phew. I didn't realise what I had before. Because when you're sort of a bit young, you sort of take things for granted. Mm. So when I look back, and if someone says to me about, you know, the game against Sheffield Wednesday and the game against Man United, what was it like? I can't really f remember, because you get so much, you take it for granted, and you're so much in the game that it just all passes you by so quick. And at that time, you think, well, this is just the norm. And it's mm. not, because they're special days. So when I come back a second time and back living where I was uh, living before, I was like, no offence, uh, guys, but I didn't really like living up north that much. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was all right for a year, but I had enough by then. I thought, I need to get back home here. So, uh, and I appreciated that, coming home, living, family, friends, QPR.
and it worked out well. Of course, you all played at the, the best stadiums in the country, and it, it always amazes me how many former players who, who have played all over the country at the best stadiums, like you mentioned, Old Trafford or Highbury, they talk about Loftus Road having something that still made it special, even though by comparison size-wise, there was no comparison. Bob, what was it, in your opinion, that, that made Loftus Road so unique in that respect? Um, that the crowd used to love me. <laughs> and uh, and, um, and uh, there were times, and, and of course, because of that, I loved being here. And because um, I remember with Terry Venables, he used to look at me because uh, they used to make these marauding runs, you know, through the middle of the pitch, and and then and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and used to always say, "Bob, don't let the crowd wind you up. As soon as you start to get through, you just knock it off, right? And get back." <laughs> and I think, and um, and I think he got to a stage at one time where. As I, as I say, because every time I went through and with, you know, me getting all that encouragement from the crowd, I'm thinking, yeah, I love this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I think, uh, I think Venice in the end, he, he decided, he, he, he came back and he just said, Grego, anytime Bob goes for you just go back. And that, was just, that was just terrific. So I, I just loved every, every moment of it, believe me. And, and Phil, for you, what makes Loftus Road so special in that respect? Well, I think apart from saying what I said before about it being very close and a lot of teams you, you know you look at Highbury you look at I mean Chelsea was a perfect example <clears throat> you know you had the dog track around there or like mm. uh, the old Stamford Bridge and so when people teams come here they, they found it very intimidating but obviously I think the thing is with QBR they, they, their fans never ever really thought they were going to win the league I know we nearly did but they never go out there expecting to win the league to, to win a cup, to win a trophy. They hope that they keep coming back every year. Just want to year. win a cup, win a cup yeah. game. I yeah, know, be nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's how things have changed. You, you actually, the celebrations when they go through the third round next year, will be brilliant. Open top, for open top bus. Open top bus around Hammersmith. But I think that's what makes it very special is that they have got fans that are very true. They, they, they don't expect, you know, Liverpool expect, Man United fans expect. They're real pains in the arse. They really are. I hate, I really hate. I, Liverpool's a team that I hate with a passion. I always do. Some days I'll get up 20 minutes early so I can hate them a bit longer in the day. <laughs> but I really do. And I think they just expect, they expect success. Man United, they all expect it. Man City, now look at Man City until the guy come in with all the money. They were shit. They were, they've been relegated and then all of a sudden the money's coming and they're fantastic and now they've got new fans from everywhere. Mm. And that doesn't happen here. It's like the true core fans, they come year in, year out and I think that's what makes, for me, what makes this club so very special. It's not just the ground, it's the people that fill it are the very special ones. So. And I'll nearly fill it. And Kev, you talk about the, how close the fans are to the players and the fact you can hear everything. Obviously, there's a huge advantage to QPR, but also there's a added pressure in that you can hear everything as a home player as well. <laughs> well, yeah, is, yeah. Is that something that almost you have to be able to handle as, as a person as much as anything else? Yeah, well, when it's, when it's going great, it's, it's brilliant. Mm. But then when it's going a little bit 
it's getting a bit tough, then you can hear a lot of things and fans are fans and they're entitled to their opinion and it, it's difficult and there's a lot of frustration when things are not going well. But I always remember just my mate's a left back and uh, he plays for another team and he's played down here and uh, he always said, you know, where the loft is and the Ellerslie, if you're a left back for the opposition team and you got that throw in, he said, the absolutely getting slaughtered. <laughs> and I went, really? You're getting slaughtered? Because I don't hear the bad bits. I just hear the... He said, yeah, it's uh, like, because it's so close down that little area where you've got to take a throw in. You get absolutely... <laughs> he said, it's just getting bad. He said, I didn't mind. It, like, it's, hot, it's tough and it's nothing... Uh, he wasn't like slagging the QBR fans off. Because you, it's just part of football. You get a bit stick, and if it's an intimidating atmosphere, that's what home home ground home fans will try and do. I always just think because the QPR is so tight, and you play at bigger um, bigger stadiums and bigger crowds, all you can hear is just a buzz, and it's just a, do you know what I mean? You can't really hear anything. But when you go to a smaller stadium where it's tighter, like QPR, and in a, in a sense, a little bit when I played at Luton, I mean, bloody hell, they could give you some stick to the home team. I remember coming off, drawing, getting absolutely finished by my own fans. It was like, they're quite a good result here. <laughs> we was in the conference and we drew with a League One team and they're absolutely killing us. And I was like, hold on a minute, what do these people expect? But, take me back to the but, but what I'm saying, yeah, take me, take me home, quick. But do you, do you understand, when you um, tighter ground, smaller ground, you can hear more things. When it's a bigger ground, bigger crowd, it's just a, it's just, it's just a noise. And you can't really hear hear much. So this is why QPR is so unique, is because you literally the byline, couple of yards, there's fans, there's fans standing standing there, and you can hear, you can always hear bits and pieces. Yeah. Is there anything that stands out in terms of hearing something from a fan, be it a compliment or otherwise for you or another player? <laughs> what a QPR fan or an away fan? Well, Either. Well, I, I will say it was one of the, I was. My debut at Man United, and um, we had a corner, and I'm standing at the near post. And um, as usual, there's uh, a load of Southerners in the Man United end, but me being a little bit naive, didn't understand, and someone shouts to me, Oi, Gallon! So I'm like thinking, oh, it's my mate. So I've turned around, I went, all right, mate. He just went, fuck off, you wanker. <laughs> I went, oh, jeez. <laughs> You've absolutely done me there. <laughs> So yeah, that was that's, that's that was my first ever game. That was a bit of an eye opener. The next time someone said "Oi, Gallon," I just turned the other way. <laughs> I learned my lesson very quickly. And uh, I suppose going to uh, as an opposition player and coming to Loftus Road, we'll start start with you, Kev. You obviously came back with Hus Huddersfield. You. Yeah. Scored and deliberately missed a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was it like for you? I've done come that a few times. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like for you coming back? Obviously, with your, your history, your connection as well. Oh, it was it was um, it was a massive deal for me because I think the week before I came off at half time, we played West Brom and my hamstring was I don't know. I came off and then I was actually struggling on the Monday, but I trained and then it just sort of eased up and I thought. Oh, oh, you know, I've got to play, I've got to play, but I was sort of, I thought I was injured that early part of the week. But then there was sort of all my family were there, and I just remember, you know, a lot of, um, lot of sort of, you know, pressure a little bit, you know, because you're coming back and you don't want to make a fool of yourself in front of your, your fans, your own fans and the fans that you've, 
Do you know what I mean? You've been with it for years. So it was a very weird, strange situation. You're coming into the ground, instead of turning left to go into the home dressing room, you're turning right to go in the away one where I rarely maybe have been there once. And that was when I was a schoolboy. You just rarely went in and all when you were like helping with the kit when you were a kid. So very strange situation, scored a goal. I just remember like everyone said to me, oh, I had money on you on the first goal. It was an absolute nap. <laughs> so they, they, I think I made a few people, uh, a few quid. And then I just remember, yeah, the penalty was down the loft and I tried to put it in the corner, looped up with Klosko. Uh, yeah, I meant to miss, of course. <laughs> yeah, but it was a very, it was a very strange and um, very strange situation. Yeah, didn't really enjoy it, really. No. How were they with you? Oh, the QPR fans are great. I don't. I didn't get. I didn't get any stick. No, none, none. It was good. Andy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you came back with Sheffield Wednesday, and I, I read someone say recently, "I have never heard any pl- former player get the abuse that Andy Sinton took when he came back to Loftus Road." Firstly, I suppose to to lead up to that if you just explain how you left because it's an interesting story and I don't think everyone has heard your version of said story oh how long you got um, <laughs> leading up to it you know QPR those days were a, were a club a team that sold someone every year uh, you know I saw Seaman go Parker go Weggerly go years before me and leading up to the season where we were doing really well I was in the England side um, you know, we finished top London club, so I didn't have any reasons to, to, to need to move away. I just had my first son, nine months, just moved house to Ascot. I had more boxes unpacked than uh, that we had um, put things away. So um, the longer that season went on, there was loads of speculation. And I never once saw the club sort of try and dismiss it or deny it. So I'm thinking, hang on a minute, Parker, Wegley, um, Seaman, previous seasons. Uh, maybe they're going to maximise me. So I went to the club and, bear in mind, I'm in the England side and you, when you're away and Kevin, Phil will tell you exactly the same, you know, players do talk and they go, you know what, we we might be interested in, you know, our pay structure is this and I'm going, hang on a minute, I'm, I'm playing in the England side and I'm miles better than him and he's getting <laughs> that. So I went back to the club and Jerry Francis was absolutely brilliant. I said to Jerry, this is the situation. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm happy here. Uh, but uh, he went, fully understand. Um, so he said, what would you be looking at? So I give him a figure, and bearing in mind that figure... I'm sure that. <laughs> <laughs> as much as your jacket, Bob. So I gave him a figure, and bearing in mind, per week, I'll probably think, as people playing non-league football now, getting more than that over a year... And not once the QPR come back. Now, normally, if you're trying to negotiate, you, th- you throw a figure, they'll come back. Not once did they come back. I saw Trevor Sinclair come through the door the, the, the week before, and I just thought, you know what? So, um, so we well, I spoke to Arsenal. Um, wouldn't commit to Arsenal because I knew there was another club. The club told me there was another club. So uh, I spoke to Arsenal. George Graham was great. I played for him late in my career. He said, you got four days. Okay, four days to decide. So I came back, I told the club, I said, I'm not going to sign for Arsenal until I've spoken to the other club. They sort of thought I was bluffing. Um, four days came and gone. Arsenal pulled out straight away. They allowed me to speak to Sheffield Wednesday. The offer on the table was exactly the amount that I'd asked for here. And I just thought, you know what? 
so I left in a little bit of controversy. Um, I think there was a, a one-sided sort of painted story. I, I pretty much left it, but when I came back again, Sheffield Wednesday, and uh, thanks for asking me that, Paul. You know, I got absolutely battered by you guys. <laughs> absolutely battered. I think, you know, the, the, the bloke that was at Man United with Kev, I think I was about 5,000 of them. <laughs> I told you they were horrible lot, Andy. I told and uh, I didn't take any corners that day, that's for sure. <laughs> Certainly at the top end, but... Uh, but no, um, it was a little bit sad. You know, um, Sheffield Wednesday on the day, we won the game. We won 2-1 on New Year's Day. And uh, I remember in the old dressing room, uh, I didn't play very well. The stick, I have to say, definitely affected me. You know, I, was, I was prepared for something, but not as... So that just shows you the influence a crowd can have, both on a, an individual and a team. And I remember lying in the bath in uh, one of the singular baths in the, the away dressing room. And Trevor Francis came in, who had been here, and he was, and I felt really, really empty. You know, my team had just won the game, but I felt, you know, just, I was nothing there. I was just really sort of knocked sideways, if you like. You know, this had been a fantastic club for me. Four and a half years, got into the England side. Um, so that day, you know, it stays with me. It was horrible. Got subbed as well, yeah, that's how well I played. But uh, no, not a great day, but I came back afterwards. I came back, I, I came back the night, uh, he scored and the beat us 3-2 and that was fine. I certainly came back with Wolves and you guys were brilliant to me, but it was just that initial one and I think that's how it was sort of portrayed, if you like, you know. So, um, But that's Walt under the bridge. I'm back at this club now, you know, I'm delighted to be back at this club. Um, I care deeply for it, just desperately want us to see us you know, do well, you guys are great, it's a fantastic stadium, you know, you were asking about the stadium early on, some of the best, bear in mind, I played 23 years, 24 years, 700, 800 games, five or six of the best nights of my career were at Loftus Road, um, you know, some of you would be here, the night would be Arsenal in the Cup 2-0, it was absolutely battering down with rain, Kenny Sanson, what a player he was by the way. Uh, Kenny Sanson um, scored against his old club. I finished it off with two minutes to go. This place was jumping, yeah? This this place was electric, you know? It was so noisy, 21,000. Night game at Loftus Road, floodlights on, peeing down the rain. Fantastic. And, you know, we other nights we beat Leeds, who had just um, won the league the season before. 4-1, we beat Man City on the Saturday before that, 4-0 beat Liverpool in the cup when they were the team, Beardsley, Barnsley, Whelan, Nickel, Hansen, Grobler, you know, and you just think, you know, we just beat these guys. So some of the best memories of my footballing career have been here at Loftus Road. And for you guys, for the support you give us while I was here, not for the Sheffield <laughs> Wednesday game, but thanks very much. <laughs> And Phil, for you, Andy just mentioned there some of his best nights at Loftus Road. You obviously had some, some magical moments here at this stadium. What are the ones that stand out for you? I think the European nights, when we, when we come second in the league in the following year, obviously played in the UEFA Cup. And uh, we had three games, I think, here, or four games. And I think we played Bratislava, we played Bramberg and Bratislava, Cologne, FC Cologne, and then obviously <coughs> AEK Athens. And talking about, like Kevin was saying about the crowds, um, we always obviously looked at the crowds as well. As you couldn't move in the stadiums those nights because everyone wanted to come and see QPR playing in Europe. And 
you couldn't put a piece of paper between the, the, the people in the ground. They were jammed in. So everyone, every time one went to the toilet, everyone had to go. It was that kind of thing, you know. It was like so stuck. And we looked in the paper the next day, and there's got to be over 30,000 people in there. And you go, 22,000. <laughs> what? Actually, it was Jim Gregory. He had his own turnstile, I think. Because <laughs> few of the turnstiles never actually registered. They were just going ding, ding, and I think yeah, that went straight to Jim. But the nights were amazing. I mean, I think that was just fabulous for, for the fans as well as, as for us playing. I mean, it was brilliant. And then obviously we travelled away to these teams as well and so unfortunate to actually go out we, we got to the quarterfinals and lost on penalties to AEK Athens who we beat 3-0 here and it should have been 6 I mean really we battered them that night and then they won 3-0 over there and that's the most hostile place I've ever played in and then we lost on penalties when I think Webby it was who missed the penalty and not the best penalty taker in the world Webby but you know he had the guts to get up there and take it my memory of coming back here though mm. was after the when, when I left and went to West Ham the following season QPR got relegated at the end of that season so we were both in the second division so I came back here and it was built up as a big thing obviously me coming back here after nine years um, and it was uh, what I can remember of the game uh, the crowd gave me a great reception a brilliant reception uh, the game ended up we got battered as West Ham we got beat 3-0 so I picked the ball out of the net three times and it was almost I'd never gone away. It was pretty much <laughs> deja vu. Loftus Road, picking the ball out of the net. What more do you want? It was brilliant. But it was like, yeah, I mean, I had a great reception. and, and every a great time, game in that one as well. I don't know, no, well, I don't think so. I didn't have that much to do, to be honest, but we did get beat 3-0. But and it wouldn't be, that was before the plastic pitch. It was still the, the old crap pitch that we played on because I mean that was one of the things that you look at the pitch out there now and I think all of us would love to play on that you know I mean do you remember the, the old days I, I think that photo up there sums it up for me with um, Jerry Francis and Terry Venable standing on the pitch in the goal mouth you have, if, you, if, if you go up, up later on have a look at it it's brilliant they both got forks they've got the trousers rolled up around their, their ankles and uh, the, the, the mud's about three inches deep in the goal mouth you know it's just <laughs> that's what we had to play on in those days how did, it, how did it feel coming back to Loftus Road as an opposition player? It was, it was strange. It was so strange because it was not long after I left as well. That was the thing. It was probably very early on in the, previous se the following season. So, you know, I left in the February and I was back here like sort of September or end of September, beginning of October. So it was really quick. Mm. Uh, and so it was almost, as I say, I hadn't been away. I mean, everyone was still the same in the, gr in the ground, you know, all the, the stewards and... You know, you had we had Jerry's dad as was was still the the um, kit man, you know, for for QPR, and so it was it was really as though I, I mean I went into there and had a cup of tea with him. It's just like, you know, it was really weird. But I got a great reception, which I think is un unlike Andy. Obviously, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know what he just must be nasty, nasty. No, I can't really say why, but but yeah, it was amazing that you know I got a, a great, great reception, and, and and I did every other time I came back. Didn't play too many times. I played a couple of times on the plastic pitch, which I didn't like much, but obviously with my dodgy knees. But I still got a great reception from from everyone, so it was always nice and special memories. And Bob, for you, come back to Loftus Road as an opposition player. Um, as it happened, I only came back well. I've never played here. Yeah, since the time I'd left, but um, I'd, I was 
as, as, as we were um, reminiscing before we came out, that um, whilst I was here, we, I played on the Saturday, and uh, I got knocked out, sparked, sparked out, and uh, I was taken to hospital. This is what I'm being told, because the truth mm. is I, I can't remember any of it. And even when I was speaking to people, and they go, well, what do you remember? And I say to them, well, I can remember doing when this happened. And they went, well, the game, that was about half an hour um, before the incident. So all that time, I'd, you know, I'd lost. And, um, but as I say, I played in the game, woke up in, in Charing Cross Hospital. Um, I spent a couple of nights, spent a couple of nights in Charing Cross, and then uh, went home. On the couple of days later, I got a phone call from Terry Venable saying Leicester City would like to speak with me. You know, and I'm going well. I don't really want to speak with them. I mean, what are you saying? And he's saying, well, <laughs> it'd be a, it'd be good if you spoke to them because I, you know, wanted to find out what he was feeling about it, but. It didn't take long to, for me to really ascertain that he was saying to me, well, it's time for you to go, Bob. So, um, so as I say, I ended up at, at Leicester City and never even came back to pick my boots up or to tell anybody, you know, goodbye. And um, I think it was about a couple of months later, Leicester then was playing QPR and uh, so I came back, and I think for the first half of the game, I think I was down in the boxes, you know, and I, I went, you know, and I was speaking to some of the guys, you know, in the boxes because I, I was quite friendly with a few of the guys down there. And then I had some friends who I'd put some tickets for, and I'd, I'd left them uh, there up in the stands. So I said, well, in the second half, I'll go upstairs and then watch the game. So when I came out... And I'll try and do this without crying, right? <laughs> but when I came out, um, I was in there, and there were a few fans next to me, and, oh, Bob, how are you? And then, you know, they just started applauding, and then the other people, they were looking to see, you know, what they were applauding. And then, uh, like, on both sides, the crowd just started to stand, and probably people were thinking, why are they standing? And then they started chanting, one Bobby Hazel, and then all of it, they just like rose like that, and then it went round the ground. They heard it, and then the Leicester fans thought, "Hold on, he's our player." So, <laughs> so, so they just started chanting, "One Bobby Hazel," and you know, I stood up in the whole ground, and believe me, that I'll always remember that as one of the best moments of my entire life. Never mind anything else; it was just sublime, and that is something that I'll take to my grave. Brilliant, guys. And if, if you look at, at Loftus Road, particularly the, the tunnel area, it's very tight, isn't it? The, the tunnel is very narrow, which it almost makes for potential incidents at half-time after a game where there's a hard-fought match and suddenly you're all on top of each other. So <clears throat> be interested to know of any tunnel incidents that are, have occurred that spring to mind for any of you. And while you ever think about any of those... I messaged Mark Bircham and said, Kevin's joining us for a Q&A later.
can you give me any, anything I can ask him? It's related to Loftus Road. So he replied, punch up at the Britannia. <laughs> and when we sneaked out of our pre-season training camp, the RAF training camp, so I said, that's great. Anything Loftus Road related, Birch? And he said, ask him about Brentford Dave. I've no idea where this is going. But he said, ask him about Brentford Dave. Oh, no dear. <laughs> this is a classic. <laughs> Absolute classic. Uh, we played Brentford on, I think we were playing them on a Tuesday night. We were playing on a Tuesday night. And on, <laughs> bloody, I don't know if I can say this. This is <laughs> terrible. But on, a mon- on the Monday, um, in showers, uh, someone done something they shouldn't have done. <laughs> so you can imagine what they've done. I'm not going to say it, but right. So I, I'm on the way home from training, and uh, Kenny Jackie was the assistant, and he's rang me up. He said, Kevin, where are you? I said, I, I'm on my way home, Ken. I'm nearly, nearly at my flat. I'm, I lived in Ealing at the time. He said, well, <laughs> Ollie's gone mental. I went, oh, yeah? What's happened? Well, someone's done something in the, in the showers. I went, oh, yeah? Is, was it Kevin McLeod? Can you, fi- can you find out? So I went, all right, I'll ring him. I went, rang Kevin McLeod. Kev, did you do that in the showers? <laughs> <laughs> so he said, I promise you, Kevin, I didn't do it. I honestly, I promise you, I didn't do it. It was like, I actually believed him. So um, <laughs> it, was, well, it was a very good lie, but I, I do believe him after what happened. So I rang back Kenny. <laughs> and uh, Ke- I mean, it's not him. It's not him. It's not him. Uh, okay, so it was left. So we were playing now. Um, we're playing our Tuesday evening, and uh, we've all gone in. And I was the captain at the time, and Ollie's brought me in. And he said, "Kevin, you got to find out who done that. I'm lost. He's lost his head before the match. He, he was going crackers." So I've walked back into the changing room, and I said, "Lads, whoever did it, just go and apologise. Go on your own. No one will have to know. No one cares. Just do it. He's, he's losing the plot." Just go and say, whoever done it, hold your hands up, just on your own, don't tell anyone about it. So we all sat in the changing room for like 10 minutes, no one's moved. <laughs> but next thing, Ollie got a text message from someone. So I think one of the players rang one of his mates, gave Ollie his number, texted him and said, I did it and my name's Brentford Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we played the game. We didn't leave. It was game finished at quarter ten. I don't think we left that dressing to eleven. I've got my suspicions, but no one ever owned up. It was honestly went. It was for a week. It was everyone was going crackers. But re- <laughs> regarding the Britannia punch up, well, there's only one man to blame for that, and that was Birchie. <laughs> Absolute. They had the, it was a Pulis team, and you can imagine what a Pulis team's like. Everyone's over six foot wide, like these two guys. <laughs> we needed these two blokes in the, in the, in the tunnel. Um, Birchie got um, Jerry Taggart sent off. He's gave Birchie a little touch on the head, and Birchie's gone down like he's been polaxed by Anthony Joshua. <laughs> so as we're coming off, we've gone into the... Ch- uh, if you go into the Britannia, their tunnel's right down the far end in the corner, and it opens up really big and then it goes small again but there who's waiting for for Birchie Jerry Taggart and you can imagine Northern Ireland 
absolute animal and he's going, I'm going to get you, Butchie. I am Mark Barn. And I'm like, you're in for it. Next thing, they had, uh, I can buy Gift and No Williams. They had massed, all just big blokes and they're swinging. We all just got behind Danny's shoe. Go on, Dan, get involved. <laughs> I get him. Get like, go on, Dan, go on, Dan. I think George Santos is like, go on, stop, get involved. Best bit, Matthew Rose being gripped up. He didn't do anything. He's being gripped up on the side. We've gone in the change room. The cameras are there. It's on YouTube. A little bit's on YouTube. Ollie's gone in. Goes, what are you lot doing? You're a lot of disgrace. You're a disgrace to the club. We're like, Ollie, they're going to kill us. We're just defending ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Defend yourself. Defend yourself. So we're like, we're all calm. Right, calm down. Don't just everyone calm down. So as we're walking out, again, me and Birch are walking out. We bet you're walking out. And who comes out again? Jerry Taggart in a towel. He's got shoulders just like that. An absolute man. You're a mark man, butcher. You're a mark man. But she could be, Kev, I didn't do anything. I went, you're on your own, mate. I'm not getting involved here. It's safe to say, but she didn't play ever again against Stoke. That's my favourite tunnel bust-up, and it wasn't here, unfortunately. We didn't really have that many, but that one was a good one. <laughs> we, I, I remember being um, in one here uh, during the time we were here with Terry Venables, and he always taught us, you know, anytime there's a problem, always crowd round. Yeah, so, so if somebody puts a blow in, everybody else crowds round, so you pull the person out who was actually involved. So, you know, then, you know, his mates are always there, you know, to take over. And um, I didn't know I think about it. There was quite a few of them, you know. And, um, but I remember once being here, and uh, let's not get them mixed up, right? But, um, yeah, I, I think we played against Blackburn. I think it was Blackburn. And, uh, and the thing is, Terry Venables, he actually loved getting involved as well because there were a few times where we had to, like, pull him away. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then we had this nutter called Simon Stainrod. Oh, God. Oh, man, he, he'd pick a fight. He'd, he'd fight on his own in a, in a, in a telephone box, I'm telling you. And, um, and he had this walk as well, you know, like Frankenstein. You know, when he was to start a fight. And... Um, and he had got, in, he'd got into some problems. He had got into some problems on the pitch, and uh, as we was coming off, in the tunnel, all hell broke loose. So as soon as the fist started flying, I ran in, you know, to get involved. And there was a, there was a, a police inspector, Fred Luff, who was always around. I just remember his name of the game. And then as soon as I went in, he just grabbed me and he just pinned me against the wall like that and went, no, Bob, you're not getting involved. You stay here. <laughs> and, and it was all going on. And he just, and he just pinned me against the wall and said, no, not for you, son. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, obviously the, the team that you played in, Phil, is widely regarded as a, the greatest QPR side that there ever has been. Yeah. What were they like for looking after themselves? Um, they were very, very uh, handy. Um, we had one, <laughs> especially this one person who used to play right back for us. Um, <laughs> and we never really had, we never had a punch-up in the tunnel. Uh, there was never an incident in the tunnel. We just did ours out on the field, wherever you could see it. <laughs> and uh, we were playing against Newcastle this one day. And I always get, when we mix up, one play for Wolves and the other play for Newcastle, the Hibbert brothers. Which one was, was Kenny yeah, or Terry? Kenny, Kenny, so it was Terry Hibbert. Terry. 
Terry, uh, Terry Hibbert for, for Newcastle. Anyway, the ball's been knocked through. I've come out and, he, and I've got, dived at his feet, gone down, and he has just left his foot in. Boom, right over the top. Over the top. Hit me. Bang. I'm, ooh, really nasty. And uh, they, they've all, all the players have started to come round him. And as they've got round him in a huddle, Dave Clement has come from the side and got within this fire of him like that and then just went boom. And he, he actually nutted him. His eye came up like a... Oh, he's unbelievable. He came up like a tennis ball. He was incredible. His eyes was totally shut. Referee's come up. He's gone down on the floor. Didn't see anything, so he couldn't do anything at all. <laughs> and Dave had absolutely... They carried him off on a stretcher. He was out to the world. And he was one of the hardest men I've ever ever played with. I mean, you wouldn't think it with him, mm. but, you know, you got on the wrong side of him, and, you know, he, he did that. And the second time he did it... <laughs> <laughs> just to show that it wasn't an, it wasn't an isolation. <laughs> we were playing against the Arsenal, and um, it's really weird, but... Again, they knocked the ball, ball through, and I've come out. Basically, no one, no one near me, so I just picked it up. It was a, I think it was a back pass from one of the others, or Johnny Ollins or something. I think. I've just picked it up. As I've gone down like that to pick it up, someone has jumped on my back. So basically, what's happened is someone's come out of the crowd, come out of the crowd, run on the pitch, and as I'm picking it up, dived on my back. And I've gone flying on the floor, and he's gone over the top of me. And I've got up, and this guy's got up, and he's coming at me, and so I've just grabbed him round the throat, and it was like one of them comedy sketches. <laughs> he's trying to, he's trying to, he's absolutely off his head. He was, you know, drunk, absolutely pissed out of his mind. And I'm holding him like that, and I'm quite laughing at him, because he's trying to hit me, but he's, he's only little, so he, his arms are sort of going about this far away from me, and he keeps <laughs> hitting me. And again, Dave Clement has come from the side. <laughs> Bang! It's just in one movement, he has just nutted this guy, and he is out, completely out on the floor. And so they've come on the play. Everyone, the police have come on. Everyone, the referee stopped it. And come on, and and they, again they've carried him off. This little guy carried him off, and Dave was just like, well, obviously nothing happened to him at all then. But um, the chief inspector of the police, he, I got a letter off him about uh, a week later, and said that you know. This incident, he said, I don't want anything. You're not going to get involved in it, he says, but I am personally doing the guy. And he actually went inside for about six months because mm. of, you know, basically, he could have had a knife, he could have had anything. Yeah. He was just off his head. And so he, he said, I'm making it my personal vendetta against this guy. He said, he's going to get done. And they did him. But Dave got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> He did it up. He did it with another guy when we was going up to um, <laughs> <laughs> the shops. And I promise, I, I promise you, this was. Yeah, I promise you, this is the last time I ever saw him do it. But um, we used to stay uh, going White's Hotel up the Bayswater Road for our pre-match meals. We used to come here, some drop the cars off, and then jump in one car. And there was myself, Gilly, Dave Clement, and someone else were going from here up to. White, up to the White's Hotel to a pre-match meal. And we're going round and round about, and Dave's actually cut, he, he, he didn't really mean to do it, but he's cut the guy up a little bit, just around the roundabout, the big roundabout Shepherd's Bush, to go up the Bayswater Road. And he's just cut in front of him, and anyway, this guy's gone mad. Big Mercedes, this guy, had spun out there, pulled in, in front of us, and gone, boo, hang on, here we go, you know, it's looked like something off the telly. And, uh, 
Dave's just got out. We went, Dave, what are you doing? Where are you going? He went, yeah. got out. And as the guys got out, the guys got out of the car, just turned around and come up. There was another guy in the front. There was, the other guy got out of the car the other side. And, and the guys turned around. And as he's turned around and come to Dave, just gone, bang. <laughs> he's gone, Phew. His nose split. <laughs> Blood everywhere. The other guy who's got out just went, got back in the car. <laughs> Oh, you're on your own, mate. I like, he just gone, there you go. I, I, he got back in the car and, like, you know, his flames were putting up, and we just drove off and went up, you know, as though nothing had happened. But I'm thinking, oh, you find out about people, do you, in the strangest way. But if you ever met him, you would never, ever dream that he was anything like that. But he was just so hard and uh, very protective. And since any dressing room incidents, they don't have to revolve around fighting, they can just be humorous stories with teammates. Uh, but I mean, we've all we've all heard the story that Alan McDonald would uh, occupy the the, ch the toilets because he's out having a cigarette out at half time. But any amusing incidents down in the, the Loftus Road dressing rooms or down in the tunnel area? I certainly can't compete with uh, Phil. <laughs> but um, can you remember the Crazy Gang? The Crazy Gang: Vinnie Jones, John Fashioner, Dennis Wise. You know the list goes on. Talk about trying to intimidate you before you went out. You know, Loftus Road's not the biggest tunnel and the old plough lane was even smaller, so you're lining up to play with them. You've got Fasher at the front, you've got Vinnie prowling up and down. John! Not going to swear, but they don't effing fancy it today, these fancy dans and, you know, they used to steering you out. <laughs> Macca, love Macca, the bit's hard as nails, Macca, used to go... We're all right, lads, because to get to you, they've got to come past me. And, you know, he, just like, <laughs> <laughs> he would just, um, he would be our enforcer. And, uh, you know, mention that name, you know, I'm sure we'll make confident a bit. But what a man. Um, another time for me, uh, playing against my mate, Paul Parker, you might remember. For some unknown reason, a horrendous tackle, a wingest tackle by me. I caught him quite high. So 10 minutes ago before halftime. Um, so at halftime whistle goes, I'm walking off the pinch. I see Alex Ferguson, his face is red, his veins are sticking out of his neck. I think he's waiting for me here. <laughs> it's the slowest walk I've ever had off the pitch. And as I'm getting closer, he he's, he's wants to get at me. Again, the great Alan MacDonald came to my rescue, got in between and got me into the dressing room. <laughs> uh, how much did uh, Alan MacDonald help you personally? You mentioned Macca there. How much did he help you personally? Oh, huge. Um, you know, when I signed, I came into a dressing room with Macca and Peter Reid and Dave Seaman and Spackman and people like that. So I walked into a dressing room. But straight away, I remember travelling to Sheffield on the on the Saturday. And Macca was just holding court. And he was putting Mark Dennis in his place. Mark was saying something. And Macca was, you know, he was, they were really going at it. Uh, hammer and tongs, you know. And uh, Macca was just a, a, a super guy, a super man, a fantastic player. You know, I thought the world of him. Uh, Kev had the pr uh, privilege and pleasure of, you know, sharing a dressing room, playing with him, um, calling him a friend, if you like. You know, he was just a wonderful man, uh, hard as nails, but what a what a hell of a footballer as well. Mm. So, you know, if you were to say to me, give me two players that made a lasting impression on your career, Macca would be one, uh, and the other one would be Ray Wilkins. You know, when Ray came... Uh, down from Glasgow Rangers, Trevor Francis and I was probably like a number of supporters, you know, going, you know what, he's 34, wants to come back to London, he's played for Paris Saint-Germain, AC Milan, Glasgow Rangers, Man United, Chelsea captain when he was 17, 84 England caps, he's just coming back home. But the moment Ray Wilkins walked through the door, uh, 
was a massive bearing on certainly my career. Kev will probably say the same. But, you know, so Ray in a different way. But Alan MacDonald, that we're talking about. No. What a man. QPR legend. Still get a bit of a lump in my throat when I talk about him. You know, he's just an absolute QPR legend. Um, and for you, Kev, obviously you, you would have watched him before you got the opportunity and the privilege, if you like, to play with him. How was that? Was that intimidating for you? Yeah, I mean, when I just think of Alan MacDonald, I just think, this is the funniest bloke ever. Just, <laughs> you know, forget about what a player he was, but the, the banter, it was just non-stop, all day, every day, slaughtering you, wasn't it? It was just slaughtering you. But it was like, slaughtering I everything. at one stage, I, when I first was QPR in the first team, he wouldn't leave me alone for five months. If I had a spot on my forehead, he would press that every minute of the day. Ding dong, ding dong. Ding. Fuck off, Macca. Ding dong. It was relentless, wasn't it? He was like, I was a kid, I'd have a few spots. Oi, fucking pizza face, come here. Shut up, Macca. Leave me alone. He was honestly, he was relentless. And at one stage, I'm like, I'm going to kill him one of these days. But he did it. Because he liked you. Mm. He, if he didn't like you, he wouldn't speak to you. He spoke to everyone, <laughs> but he did it because he liked you. But as a bloke, because I was, um, I, obviously I was a supporter, and then I, w I was going to school up there in Holland Park, and then I used to come in training during the um, half term, and I used to be like, there's Alan MacDonald, I'm a supporter, but I'm, I'm in a youth team, I, like, school boy. There's Alan MacDonald, Andy Sinton, there's Ray Wilkins. Bloody Ray Wilkins is here, 84 England cap. He's a legend. So I'm like, just rabbit in head, like I'm in shock. <laughs> Even if they say hello to me, I'm like, oh, hi. It's just like, do you understand? Do you imagine being a supporter and then you're, you're training? And you, then when I joined in 1992, uh, Andy was still here. I was like, I'm like now full time with all these guys that I idolize, love. I'd go home and my mates give it, what are they like? What are they doing this? What's he like? <laughs> I'm like, oh, Macca won't leave me alone, lads. He's fucking <laughs> killing me. <laughs> he's I fucking hate him at the moment. <laughs> he won't leave me alone. What's the Ray Wilkins? Oh, he's top man. And I agree what Andy said. When Ray Wilkins, when I first got in, he was he was taking interest in 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 you. And uh, I always just remember the um, when you know I was in the youth team, but. Ray would come out, say he was training was 11 and Jerry was always late, wasn't he? Training was meant to be 11, Jerry would bowl out about 20 past. But Ray would be out about half 10 and he'd set up um, a circle where, you know, the, the, they call it a, a ronda now at Barcelona. But Ray would set up a circle, he'd be the first one and a few others would come out. And while everyone drip fed out, you'd play a circle, two in the middle and you just... And it was the best laugh ever, wasn't it? It was, it was brilliant, and I was in youth team, and I, used to, I decided one day I'm going to get brave and join in with these. <laughs> so I just left the youth team and I went and joined in with them. But what would Macca do? He would be, and Bards, they would be desperate to get you in, and they'd get the ball, stitch and you as up, they, they? they would stitch you up, and what they would do, they would they'd put the ball down and spin it. <laughs> so when they spin it, they then hit it at you, and they'd hit it out of your way that it would bounce up on your fucking bollocks or something. <laughs> And then they went all your knees, and then they go, and then you get done, and they get in there, you idiots, and they're <laughs> laughing. And it was just like, was and Ray sort of set up all that. Ray was brilliant, he'd taken an interest in you. Macca was just, like I said, I thought, just the funniest plug. And, you know, when I still, when, when we go on holiday, and with my mates, and uh, a lot of them are QPR fans, and my two brothers, we just talk about Macca for like hours on end. What about when Macca done this? What about when he done that? It was just non stop, and he was just. 
him and Bards together. I, met, just I, I, I bumped into Simon Barker um, about a month ago, and we were exactly the same. The two hour conversation was about Macca, <laughs> all the stupid childish pranks he used to just pull uh, non stop. Non-stop. His banter was just, <laughs> it was just non stop, relentless. You could give him loads. It, did, it was a water from a duck's back. He would just keep coming for you, coming for you, coming for you. Yeah, at the end, you're like, do you know what? You ain't going to win this battle. He was, he was brilliant. He was, he was a great player. And Andy will tell you, he was, he was a good passer, wasn't he? He could pass the ball. He was excellent. Technically, really, yeah. really good. You know, far better footballer, uh, if you like, than people give him credit for. But hardest nails. I see some of the battles he used to have with, you know, fashion Mark Hughes to the lesser extent when Hughes was playing up at Man United. Macca was never really see anyone get the better of him. He was good, yeah. I always remember he's the only one who really could handle Niall Quinn. Because Macca, if you watched him play, he never really jumped and headed it. The ball would, could he rip, the goalkeeper would kick it. He's so smart, he could read the flight of the ball very quickly. He'd just get to the side of the centre forward. And because he was so big and heavy, you couldn't move him. Once he planted his foot, he'd just stand there and head it. He was top player and a top man. And like he said, it's so sad that, that he's not here with us. And yeah, he was uh, like... Well, what a great bloke. That's all I can say. What a great bloke. A special guy. Yeah. Um, you talk about special moments, special memories here at Loftus Road for all of us. And, Bob, I would imagine for you, in terms of here at Loftus Road, the quarterfinal in the FA Cup must take some beating. Can't remember it. <laughs> 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 and, uh, when I say... I remember... That um, <laughs> I was, when I say I, I was, I was pretty angry because I, before I was, I was struggling to get into the team, and um, and and then I finally, and I, I finally got into the team, and that was that was the sixth round, wasn't it? I think that against, it was a, the yeah. against Crystal Palace, yeah. So um, I was just, as I say, I was angry because I just felt that I should have been playing, and the manager wasn't playing me. So, uh, and it was terrific for me to actually, you know, get in that game and and then, um, and Steve Wicks, who was here previously, he was then in the, the Palace team Palace. and, you know, so uh, it was important for me to really, you know, stand out, in, stand mm -hmm. up in that game. So, um, so the truth is I can only remember winning that game and feeling... And, and, and feeling really good about it because there was like, I don't know whether the manager was winding me up and, you know, when I look back on it, uh, Terry Venables, he probably was, you know, he, because he like, he gave it, Bob, you know, you, you know, those Palace, they think that you're the soft touch, you know, and, <laughs> and, and you'll give them a goal and I'm thinking, like, fuck, <laughs> and, you know, so, and, the, you know, with the games that I play, when I... I get that deep thing and, you know, like I'll come off and people go, remember when this is so, such and such happened? I go, no, because <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. And it's the same when we played in the, um, the semi-final uh, against West Brom at Highbury. And, um, and I'm, I've been told by many that that was, you know, one of my better games that, that, that people remember and, you know, and the, the Rangers fans remember. And with that, I could not... All I can remember on that is um, 
my great control and layoff to Clive <laughs> Allen and then he finished. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my, that's my side of it, you know. But uh, um, a, a couple of years ago, because um, I live up in the Midlands and uh, my mate saw Regis, because um, every time we go anywhere, he always says, oh, Bobby, he, he mocked me out of that game then I, because during that time Cyril was like the the best centre forward in the country and he was really ripping it up, you know. And and again, the manager looked at me and says, um, if you keep Cyril um, under control, this is ours. And, um, and as I say, a couple of years ago, uh, Cyril just came and he went, by the way, Bob, you might like this. And he handed me a disc of uh, of the game uh, at Highbury. And uh, so I watched it for the first time. And believe me, everything was new to me. <laughs> because, and, uh, and then when that ball came to me and I laid it off the climb. <laughs> and, and, then, and then I looked at it and I thought, a touch like that, you call yourself a footballer. <laughs> but um, we won, didn't we? <laughs> Certainly did. Yeah. So um, as I say, that as many of the games that I play, you know, uh, you know, I'll always remember things around it. But I just, I, I have a very bad memory for the actual games and things that that, that took place in the game. You know, they they just pass me by. I like the fact that someone put the DVD of the game together and gave it to Cyril Regis. <laughs> <laughs> and Phil, for you, again, you've got um, plenty of uh, choices, if you like, for your most special moments at Loftus Road. Yeah, I, think, I don't think we can go through the evening without mentioning the great man that Bob loved so much, Stanley, Stan Bowles, um, one of the most gifted players I've ever known. So I, I second him to George Best at, in that era. I mean, he was such a natu natural talent. He was unbelievable. Um, but we all know he used to have a, a lovely little gambling problem, him and Shanksy. But um, Stan's pre-match routine, many of you probably don't know what his pre-match routine was, but we'd get into the ground about quarter to two. We had to be in the dressing room about quarter to two. Dave Sexton would come in and do his... His team talk, it only take 10 minutes, I mean Dave, because we'd done most of it on a Friday anyway, so he'd come in and do his team talk, then we were already, you know, all had our own little routines that we were going to do, uh, some started getting ready, some started getting their tickets and putting their tickets out for the families and friends, and then Stanley would go, he'd go out of the ground, he'd go out through the door in, you know, South Africa Road, and as, all, all, as we know, down towards the, uh, the pub, Springbok, right on the right-hand side was the little Ladbrokes one. It's just closed down now, I think, two, two couple of years or last year, I think. Mm. I, I know it's the last time I come to the ground. It's not there anymore. But Stan would go in there and he'd watch the two o'clock race and he probably had a few quid on it. Then he'd watch the quarter past two race. <laughs> okay, and if he'd had quite a few quid on the half past two race, he'd watch the half past two race as well. So he would come back into the ground about just after 20 to 3, nearly quarter to 3, just come into the dressing room, bump straight in the dressing room, take his gear off, put his kit on, tie his boots up, never did a stretch, never did nothing, he never warmed up or anything like that. 
then just joined onto the back of the queue to go uh, the, the line <laughs> to go out onto the pitch. And that was his warm up. And he went out there and then he'd be the best. He wouldn't know whether he'd won. That's exactly right. You would not know whether he'd won his week's wages or lost it. His <laughs> face, he just had that poker face. You didn't know. He didn't show. You know, if someone had gone out there and lost their week's wages, mm. you know, they'd be going, like, they wouldn't be able to concentrate on a game. Would it? Not, nothing to him. It just flew over his head. And Bob said he'd go out and be man of the match and score a couple of goals or set some up. He was just incredible. You know, I've never, never, never seen his like, to be honest. In terms of it, as his teammates, did that ever wind you up that no. the main man was never around until no, not at all. I mean, you know, I mean, if he went out there on a the pitch and didn't do it, mm. then yeah, you're going to get wound up. But you knew very well that he's going to go out there and be man of the match or you know play a blinder. Um, so it was just his way. You know, he, he didn't. He, he was because what a lot of people don't realise. I think he got this bad boy image, which is really wrong. To be honest. He just got in with the wrong crowd. Yeah. You know when he was down here, and and so when he loved to gamble, he would be down the White City doing the dogs and things. But he would he'd do all that. But come to training, he was one of the hardest trainers you've ever seen. Honestly, he would not. He never took fools. I mean, like in the five sides, he slaughtered people. He was brilliant, a bit like Mac. Are you saying like he was like that? You know, if so, if he gave the ball to someone and they didn't give it him back, he'd just go absolutely bananas because <laughs> he expected. But a lot of people got to realise that. You know, he was thinking like three moves ahead. It's a bit like Ronnie O'Sullivan playing the snooker. He's doing boom. You know, this other fellow, the poor fellow he's giving the ball to, he's only, you know, he's in the moment. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> he don't know where Stan wants it or whatever. So basically, he was just, as I say, totally one-off. Um, everybody loved him. I mm. mean, no one, um, no one had a bad word to say against him. Can, I, mean, I, just, can so I just say quickly... Um, well, firstly, I used to, at times in training, I, I used to love watching um, Stan and, and Tony Curry, you know, because I've got to be careful because I can just rub it on about those two forever and ever. But um, we're coming back, we're, we're on the coach, coming back from a, a game up north. And, um, and Stan's over there and, he, and he's, he's got his food you know, um, on the table. So he's like, looked and he says to her, shouted over to, to, to Tony Curry, China, um, pass us the salt, will you? So, and then Tony Curry picks the salt up and he passes it to me and he went, pass that to Stan, will you? Make sure he gets there or he'll fucking give you a bollocking. <laughs> 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 Just thought I'd throw that one in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, incredibly, we've been talking or listening um, for well over an hour already. If anyone has got any questions for any of the guys, just raise your hands and we'll pass the roaming mic down to you and feel free to, to ask a couple of questions. And just while we're waiting for any of you that, that do have any questions, um, for, you, for you, Phil, you, you, you mentioned Stan there, and rightly so, but from your point of view in terms of the, the most special nights, what are the ones that, that really stand out for you at Loftus Road? Um, I think, first of all, as I said before, the European nights were very special. Um, it wasn't so much a night game, but obviously the last game of that season, uh, of the 76 season, when we, we played Leeds here. Uh, and we basically had to win uh, to have any chance of, of winning the league. We won 2-0, and it was a very good good game, op open game. Lots of chances both ends. So it was, it was a, a great game to finish on, but we managed to win 2-0 and obviously finished top of the league. 
for 12 days, I think it was, wasn't it? Until uh, Liverpool, uh, Liverpool pipped us. 12 minutes to go. Mm. I mean, had they drawn, I think we would have done it with a better goal difference, I think, or something. But, you know, we were 12 minutes away from winning the, winning did you, the league. Did you go to the BBC studios? I didn't, no. Because uh, so, I was a bit of... Uh, Half glass empty, I think that time. I, I just couldn't couldn't face it. I just knew so what was. Did you listen happen. on the radio? No, I didn't. How did you find out? Uh, just the results at the end of the t- on the telly, and they gave it. Yeah, just gave it out. So no one rung me up and said, you know, I didn't. I didn't want that. I just wanted to see, but I'd, I already off a notion. I think that, yeah. So it was. It was one of. The, I think that's possibly the worst night of my life, if you like, but. Mm. You know, for 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 football, yeah, football terms. But that was the, on that Saturday when we we all came in, and then basically it was as though we'd won the league. I said the fans went wild; they all run on the pitch, and we all went up into the director's box and you know, and throw, we're throwing our shirts into the crowd and things. And it was it was just a lovely way to finish the mm. season. You know, if we'd have won it, it'd have been that extra special. But you know, even if it come second, was was a great achievement for a little club like we were then. So and. And for you, uh, interestingly as well, Ian Gillard asked him a similar question about how he found out. And he said he was at home. He didn't want to know. He was pacing up and down the front room. And his, his wife said, just get out of the house. You're doing my head in. So he, went down, he went, walked down the street and someone went, oh, Gilly, you didn't do it. And that's how he found out. <laughs> that's how he found out. <laughs> um, since for you, the, the, the standout moment for you at Loftus Road? Personally or for the team? Personally, well, we it's spoke real. about you know team game. We're playing some magnificent um, performances. I mentioned some earlier on. Personally, you know, uh, to score on your debut, um, got me a one and only hat trick against Everton. You know, um, this guy to my my left probably got loads and loads and loads. I got one, so that was quite special. But you know, I I played in a wonderful team. I played with some magnificent footballers, and probably at the time I didn't realise how good we were. You know, uh, the 92-93 season to finish top London club. Uh, you know, beating everyone that we used to beat here. And what what comes home, going back to the forever hours, what comes home when I uh, speak to these guys and nights like this, or we see them every Saturday, every one of these guys loves to play at Loftus Road. They think it's a special stadium, as we've already discussed. As I say, just a wonderful time. But uh, I played with some great players, had some great nights in front of some great fans. Okay, great stuff. And uh, for you, Kev, stand out a moment. Uh, One from each era. We, well, yeah, from each era. So, yeah, I'd say that well, my debut against Sheffield Wednesday that was a special because I scored the winner. I mean, the Chelsea game when I scored and scored the winner that was really special night. But we had, you know, I was sort of I come on to the back end of um, Andy's team. Andy had left, but we still had some really good players. Les was on fire. I mean, uh, Jerry started off as the manager, and then Ray came in, and, and that season was uh, done excellent. But no one's like David Barr, Mac, but Clive Wilson, a top, really, really, really good player, mm-hmm. wasn't he? I mean, he could play anywhere, really. He was so skillful. And then Trevor came in as his replacement. Andy Impey was excellent. Simon, but we had a really good team, and we had centre forwards. So, you know, that, uh, a lot of people sort of forget that I was in that sort of era I'd sort of come to the back end of that but you know I'd say the Chelsea game we beat Liverpool here that was special one night on the telly it was Jerry's last game um, 
it was on the telly that infamous night when I think Rodney turned up. But was all, <laughs> I remember him turning up. We're all looking up. Going, What's going on here? It was all a bit, all a bit strange. But then, the, and then the second time, I suppose the um, the Oldham the semi final uh, in the playoffs. That was that was a really good night. Mm. I mean the cr- the crowd. I mean, I think it was it was special because the club has sort of had a bit of some about two or three years of bad times. But this was like this was sort of a culmination of. You know, a, a season where, and I have to say, there was so much pressure on that night to to do the business mm. because we, the crowd was like, like Andy said about the game, and I watched that game against Arsenal in the rain, and we won two 0 I remember sitting up in um, South Africa. It was absolutely rocking that night, and the Oldham game was absolutely rocking. And when first put that that ball in, uh, that that goal, uh, the ball in the back of the net, it was not only sheer relief, but the whole place was just shaking. And then afterwards. Yeah, we had a really, really good, good couple of nights. That's probably why we lost the playoffs. <laughs> no, that's not not really, that's not true. But we did because we didn't play for another two weeks. But that night and the day we all met up after the next day, and we had a really, yeah, we had a really good special bond and a good, really good team spirit those couple of seasons. And then the fan with the fans and in amongst the team, it was a really good time to play for QPR. Okay, and if there are any questions, just raise your hand. Um, Otherwise, we'll go into the, the prize draw very shortly. Just finally, uh, regarding Loftus Road, obviously it's well known that the club is looking to move away from the stadium and there is a, that necessity if the club is to grow to, to move away. But regardless of that need, it will still seem very strange to have QPR not playing at Loftus Road, won't it? Well, definitely. I mean, for me, I've been coming down here since, well... 1979 and from my parents bedroom I could see the floodlights so I used to you know um, come down and you know it would be a very sad Mm. personally and I'm sure for a lot of fans it would be a very sad day when QPR leave and they will eventually it will happen one day I don't know when but it will happen eventually it'll be a very sad day and because there's so many good memories there's a few bad but you've got to take them with the good but there's some, some absolute brilliant memories for me personally playing here but also watching QPR and uh, it would be a very uh, strange situation mm. and a very sad situation. Absolutely. Okay, we'll get the prize draw underway. We'll just have the uh, envelopes brought down and then we can do the draw for that. So we'll just wait for those to to come down. And again, we'll speak to Andy at the end regarding um, the Forever R's. Obviously, we, we spoke with, with Kev as well about it. And Bob, from your point of view, when you came back and you were inducted into the Forever R's, it was a quite an incredible reception for you. That must have been so special, having been away for so long, to come back and, and to have that reaction. As I said to you before, I live in the Midlands, and uh, <laughs> I'd walk down, you know, for these invites and to come out like that because um, the truth is, I actually give Andy a lot of stick because I tell him he don't invite me down enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hint, hint. Um, but he has it, to give the tickets to Kev Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's always a pleasure. I, as I say, I love it to bits, and um, and well, to show you how much I love it, because I've uh, just before Christmas I got in a, a car accident, and um, so I have been struggling somewhat, and. Um, and I was there and I was thinking, God, do I ring them and tell them that 
I can't go now. So, I, you know, I sat with my mate there and I just said, oh, do you know something? I've been invited down to QPR and uh, and I'm struggling um, because of my shoulder. I've done my shoulder in, in the accident. And, um, and he just says, I'll come with you. I'll drive it. I went, all right. You know, it'll take more than a puny car crash to, to keep me away. It's always a pleasure. And believe me, I, I am always honored to be in your company. And even when I go outside to sign an autograph, because every time I sign an autograph, I think, well, because in the Midlands, nobody asked me for my autograph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the days, the days are gone, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to remember back in the day, oh, yeah, Bob Hazel. Well, no, they don't even ask that, you know. So <laughs> I just said, ah, oh, Saji, you know, I won't go down to the Rangers. <laughs> so, as I say, peeps, it's always a pleasure. And, um, and to sit with you guys, to be here, the pleasure is all mine, believe me. Brilliant. Okay, we'll have a final word from Andy Sinton in just a moment. But before we do the prize draw that many of you entered into at the start of the evening, this first draw is for a signed football. So, Kev, if I can just ask you to draw a name from there. There'll be a name on the envelope if you just read that out. Keith Lewis. Keith Lewis. Well done, Keith. That'll be done. Give it to Kevin. Kevin, if you'd like to give that to Keith. Congratulations, Keith. Well done. Round of applause for Keith. Next up, we have a signed shirt. Bob, if you can do the honours, please. Mickey Dunford. Congratulations, Michael. Well done, Mike. Congratulations. Used to be in his class at school, not related to the draw. Okay, and uh, finally, for a W12 hospitality package for two for a home game over the remainder of this season, a game of your choice. Phil, if you can do the honours, please. Robert Arnott. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Robert Arnott? Robert Arnott. Round of applause for Robert. Congratulations, Robert. Lovely, well done. And before we go, the, the bar will be opening um, shortly for another half an hour or so and the guys will be staying around for autographs and photos and for a chat as well. But b before we go, Andy, another demonstration of the, the Forever R's and how, how people are buying into it, if you like. They, they like what they see. Also a special mention to Zoom Enterprises, our sponsors for 
assisting in this evening and, and putting it together for us. But Andy, it shows how popular the Forever Ours is, and it's something that the, the fans clearly like and enjoy, and it obviously means a, a lot to the former players as well. I think, you know, just listening to Bob, um, wasn't the way he was going to say that, but uh, we see it on a, a, a weekly basis, a fortnightly basis, whenever we bring the guys back. Um, you know, delighted that the club have sort of embraced it. You know, QPR, I think it's fair to say, in recent times got criticised, and probably quite rightly so, with a little bit of disengagement under the new regime. There's, uh, we see the importance. You know, we want, um, and I'm one of them, you know, you, you, we want our former players to... To be proud of QPR, you know, to, to feel they're always welcome. And when they come back to, to feel uh, their time here was worthwhile and appreciating for public to get a show of thanks from you, are, you, you, you know, the fans, it's great. Um, it means a hell of a lot. We get some unbelievable messages uh, from the former players and their families a week after they've, they've been. Um, and we want to keep it going. You know, I, I think I'll take this sort of opportunity again just to to reiterate what the Forever Rise is all about. You know, it was a great deal of thought went into it. I know uh, fans were wanting it to happen, but, you know, it's. Uh, I'll say it one more time, uh, and I keep saying it, but it's, it's not a Hall of Fame. It's not just for the best players who played in the best teams, uh, play for their country. Naturally, they'll get in anyway. Ours is more inclusive, where we want to include more players, who've served the club um, over many years, uh, going back in a positive way. Um, you know, as I said, we want them to feel that they are part of QPR, uh, are always welcome at QPR, and you guys play a massive part in that. So thanks for your support in that. You know, it's, it, it's been immense. I get stopped every week and people say, oh, it's great when I see him come back. Just on that note, I'll just add, you know, uh, there's many, many, many players, and you guys can think of some names uh, that you'd love to see here. Believe me, we're in contact with. I've got a list as long as my arm that I've been in contact with some of the greats and some good players, and people have done extremely good things at this club. What we have to respect is when I'm given the contact uh, to, or get the contact uh, to speak to them, you know, we have to respect that where they live there's there's four or five and I won't name the names but you you'll know who they are that would love to see back that live over overseas some in America they they have commitments over there so they've got an open invitation they know that there's players you know who've been invited back and at the last minute through commitments have had to cancel sometimes at very short notice which actually can cause us a little bit of a problem but we respect that there's certain players who are suffering with ill health and if they're not suffering with ill health, it could be their nearest and dearest. Now, when I have that conversation with them, I have to treat what they tell me with real confidence. Because if I was saying to someone, you know, my wife's really struggling, she's suffering from cancer, I can't get out, I wouldn't want Andy Sinton to be putting out on his Twitter feed or the club to be putting on their website. So sometimes when someone says to us, you know, where's he and why hasn't he gone back? I smile, I say we're trying, but deep down I know the real reasons. So just bear with us. We're trying to get people back. Uh, we want people back. Um, and that will happen. And the dialogue will keep going. But as I say, I know from a, uh, an ex-player myself how important it is. We see some guys that come back, and more so the older guys, who've maybe having a little bit of a, a, a tough time. 
uh, that we don't know about, but they'll tell us. I'll tell you what, when they come back here and they're signing autographs and they're in front of you guys, I'll tell you what, it, it just lifts them. So uh, that's what we're all about. It's not just for the elitist. It's more of an all-inclusive sort of package. Um, delighted that it's been embraced the way it is. You know, it's for you guys. You've got... Uh, You've got far more stories, memories, memorable moments than we'll ever have. We, we, we are part of that, but so are you. It's a fantastic club we all love. You know, it drives us mad from time to time. It disappoints us, but we keep coming back for more. It's a wonderful club. It's got a great history. These guys are part of it. And again, um, you know, thanks for Kev, Bob, who's come a long way and with these troubles. Phil, uh, just from my point of view, I'd just like to say thanks, guys, for coming, giving up your time. Could we give these guys a round of applause? <laughs> and this is not sort of pre-stage, believe it or not. I turned up at the club at about 1.30 today to to do a few bits and bobs and run through. Now, Bob's already spoke. He's probably stole our thunder a little bit about what it means to former players. I opened a letter today, a quarter to two, by someone who probably wouldn't get in anyone in this room's Hall of Fame, if you like, but really sums up what the Forever Oz um, stands for, why we do it, and what it's all about. And I'm just going to read it to you, if my eyes will allow me. I'm getting old. It says, Firstly, I would like to apologise for not replying to you sooner um, and the club. Just wanted to say thank you to everyone at the club for a very warm welcome that I received at Loftus Road a couple of weeks ago. Of course, it was an evening I thoroughly enjoyed and was pleasantly surprised by the response I got from the supporters both outside and inside the ground. To be able to sign some autographs and to reminisce about uh, games that I was involved in really was uh, made the night uh, memorable. How many of those fans who still watch the club with all their memories, how many autographs, how many uh, books they receive, through thick and thin, they're always with the club. Once again, I thank you and everyone at Queen's Park Rangers Football Club, including our fans, for the support me and my family got when we came back aloft this road last week. I wish you and everyone at the club the very best of luck for the future. And that's from Ernie Howe. So again, I'll just finish. You know, that's to me, that's 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 what we're all about. So uh, bear with us on some of your favourites. We're working hard. Keep up your support. Fantastic club. Let's stick together. Come on, you ours. Great stuff. Thanks once again for coming. The bar, as I say, it does reopen now from nine o'clock. The guys are hanging around for photographs, autographs, and a chinwag as well. Just remains to thank. Kevin, Bob, Phil Parks and Andy Sinton.